always a blessing. It is always, always, always a blessing. And so we ask, Father, that you would use that day. Father, help us as a, as a congregation to, to come together on Thursday to pray. And then on Friday to set up. And then on Saturday to serve. We just ask God in a wonderful way that you would, uh, would work that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll continue our study in the book of Colossians. And what a powerful, powerful book is Colossians. It is um, just filled with, with, with so much uh, word that we need. In verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1, it says that, we, that he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Later on in that chapter 15 through 20, it, it describes who Jesus Christ is and it describes him as being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And for him, by him, all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And, and we see in those passages that, that, yes, Christ is the one who created the universe, both visible and invisible. Things that can be seen, things that can't be. And that not only did he create the universe, that he is the one who sustains it. He is the one who keeps it going. And it goes on, it says that Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And that everything, and that, everything that he might be preeminent. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. And then he goes on in, in verses 21 through 23 of chapter 1. He says, you, Colossians, you today as believers, you were once alienated and hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. And he has now reconciled us in the body of his flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I want to stop there and just compare or contrast. Before Christ, we're alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Because Christ has reconciled us through his death on the cross, he says that you're holy, you're blameless, above reproach. And he goes on and says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Reminder that we, in true faith, will continue in that faith. 
Well, Paul here summarizes the basic response that he wants the Colossians. Possibly, he says, continue to live in your faith. And if you remember, all around them were these false teachers. They're trying to, to set aside or to minimize Jesus Christ with their false teaching. And, and, and again, probably, they weren't being overt in denying Jesus Christ. They could have just been easily saying, it's Jesus Christ plus. You know, you need, you need Christ, but you need these other things. In their eyes, you had to follow their man-made rules. In their eyes, to worship angels and to understand these visions of wisdom that they had. You see, according to the false teachers, Christ Jesus was not enough. When chapter 1, Paul exalts Jesus Christ as all-sufficient and supreme over all things and all people. In Christ Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Again, he is that image of the invisible God, the creator, the sustainer of all things. And even though we were alienated from him, hostile and doing evil, Christ reconciled us. God through his death and his resurrection. We'll move on to chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. We read, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away or circumcised. And God made you alive in Christ Jesus, for he forgave your sins. I read that and I, I, my mind automatically goes back to Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul there says, you're dead in your trespasses and sin, but God, you were dead, but God, because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of his deep love, he made us alive. Not because we were good, not because we deserved it, not because we'd done anything, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his deep love for us. Praise God. When chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says that we were buried with Christ in baptism. In verse 20, we read that we died to the elementary principles of the world. In verse 3 of chapter 3, Paul says, You've died. You've died. And over and over in that chapter, we see that in Christ, we're circumcised. In Christ, we died. In Christ, we were buried. In Christ, we were raised, ascended with Christ. And after stressing the importance of our union with Jesus Christ, Paul then applies our union with Christ in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, Paul gives a list. Let me read it. He says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, 
You know, brother, these, you too, once walked when you were living in them. But now, you must put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Paul says, remember who you are. Remember who you are. These sins no longer should be a part of your life. And he gives them, if you remember last week, those two lists. One dealing with sexual sin, one dealing with anger. And then he goes on and, and, and we see our motivation for abstaining from these sins. He says, you have put off the old self with these practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of the Creator. And here, there's not Greek, nor Jew, circumcised, nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But in Christ is all, and all in Christ. Our motivation, if you remember from last week, we'll become a new people in Christ. And though sometimes we don't feel like it, we're new creations. We're to take off that old camaraderie we had with the old life, that old humanity, and like a shabby set of clothes, put on a new set in its place as we're being renewed. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. I love Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed day by day. Why do we put aside these sexual sins? Why do we put aside these sins of anger? Because we're new creations. And then we see, secondly, that we're a new community. And he says there, you're no longer Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. We've become a part of a new community. Put aside that old racial differences, religious differences, cultural differences, social differences. All these distinctions, Paul declares, to become irrelevant. And he's not saying there that our differences don't exist any more than the differences that we saw in Galatians chapter 2, I believe it was, with a similar list with male and female. We have so much to celebrate in Christ Jesus. And that's why, at this time, we want to celebrate communion. And if the men will come forward and begin passing out the elements, we want to remember what Christ Jesus has done for us. Because as we've been looking, Christ died for our sins. But he didn't remain in the grave. He was buried, but he arose, he ascended, 
and sits at the right hand of God, our Father. And as the elements are passed to you, please hold on to them. We'll take them together. And if you're here visiting, we, we uh, celebrate an open communion. You haven't got to be a part of, of, of good news. Just be in Christ. Well, Paul says in chapter 3, as I read earlier, to put off all these sins, put, put to death sexual immorality and lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy. Get rid of the anger and the rage and the slander and the dirty talk. Stop lying. Do this. Don't do that. Restrictions, prohibitions, commands, rules. You may be saying enough. Enough. That may be how some of us feel when we look at Colossians chapter 3. The fact is, Paul does provide quite a list for us, doesn't he? A, a detailed list of things that we're forbidden to do because we're new creatures in Jesus Christ. And later on in the chapter, we'll, we'll see that he insists on compassion and kindness and humility and other uh, virtues to govern our relationships. As a matter of fact, let me read that which was read earlier. Remember he said, take off all those sins? Then he says, put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. So, what's the difference between Paul's commands in chapter 3 and what he condemns in chapter 2? Paul was firm. Chapter 2, he says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or the new moon ceremonies or Sabbath. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial and worship of angels. You see, the false teachers were quick to say, don't handle that. Don't taste these. Don't touch those. So what makes Paul's rules different? What makes Paul's rules, his list, different? How's his perspective on the Christian life and improvement on these lists from the false teachers? He has commands and restrictions. 
just as the false teachers do. So how do we avoid becoming legalistic? How do we pursue holiness without reducing Christianity to simply being moral? Legalists typically argue to life. In other words, if they give you a list of things to do and a list of things not to do, it is in order to become saved, in order to have eternal life. These, they identify these good things that you must do and the bad things that you must avoid so you can gain favor with God. And if you meet all those commands and conditions, then you earn eternal life based on his false teaching. You see, all their list of do's and don'ts, they hope to build up to life. Paul, on the other hand, argues from life. Godly living is portrayed as a fruit of acceptance with God and not because I still remember one of my sisters before she came to Christ I shared the gospel with her and she'd say not yet not yet Ralph I've got to basically I've got to be good I've got to be I've got to be better before Christ will accept me of course all those lists things that we're to do and not to do is because we have life in Christ already. We're new creations. We're part of a new community. Paul then argues from life. In chapter 1, as we mentioned earlier, he's rescued us. He has already rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He has picked us up and placed us in a new kingdom. The kingdom of God. transferred us into the kingdom of his son purchased our freedom and gave us forgave us our sins chapter 2 13 14 you were dead you were dead because of your sins and God made you alive and forgave your sins he canceled that record by nailing it to the cross in chapter 2 over and over in different ways we're told that we died with Christ. We were buried with Him. We were raised with Christ. And so the basis of this truth that we are inwardly encouraged rather than outwardly compelled to express life. We can't earn life in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, where I read, mentioned earlier, we're dead in our trespasses and sin. But God, because of his deep love, made us alive. He goes on and says, They were saved by grace and not of works. But we're saved in order that we might do good works. We're not encouraged to do this or to avoid that in order to gain God's favor or to gain Christ. Rather, it's because we have already died with Christ. We have already been raised with Christ that we should seek 
after holiness. Bottom line, there's a big, big difference between working for eternal life and working because of eternal life. God's gracious love placed us in Christ. Not because of anything we've done or anything of us being good. Who we are is because of His grace. It's because of all that Christ Jesus has done for us that we look back. We look back on Jesus Christ's death. And remember, we died with Him. Remember that when he was buried, that we were buried with him. And that when he ascended into heaven, that we sit in Christ at the right hand of God. And this Christ Jesus, who is the fullness of God, lives in us. And he enables us to walk with him and to live for him. And so every month, Every month, we want to remember this Christ Jesus and his work on the cross where he died and buried and was raised and ascended into heaven. In Christ Jesus, we have life everlasting, not because of anything we have done, but purely because of his loving mercy and grace. We have got to work for it. And so every month, we look back and we remember all that we have because of what He has done for us. On that night, the Lord Jesus, when I was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. same way, after supper, Christ took the cup, saying, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. My gracious Father, we thank you for the life that we have in Christ. And Father, we acknowledge that all around us today, there are false teachers who are saying, it's not Christ, 
is something else. Or is Christ plus? But we thank you, Father, there's Christ, Christ alone. Oh, Father, we humbly bow before you, recognizing, Father, it is in Christ we live. He is our very life. Oh, Father, that we might be able to, to, to live in such a way, Father, to be pleasing to you. Again, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that we have life eternal in Christ as we trust in his work on the cross, his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. Amen. Amen. Where is the worship team leads us in a couple songs? The prayer counselors would come forward and always a great time to be prayed for and prayed with. And, and just, you know, I just want to remind us over and over we're blessed because we're in Christ. In Him, we have life everlasting.